I am a big U2 fan, as Joel said. I do have a, when they tour Australia, I have a minimum of a two-concert policy. Uh, I'm the guy that lines up all day to get as close to the front and try and get a bit of Bono spit on me. And uh, I may or may not have named one of my children after the lead singer, but I'll leave that one for you to work out. But, um, but I, I did ask them to do that song because I, I love that song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I think it's just a great uh, representation of our human nature about who we are and kind of how a human is that we're always looking for that someday for that something. We're always seeking and looking for, for a question, for an answer, that there's always a longing to try and get to the next thing, to, to tick the next checkbox off our list and move on to the, the next. And I really feel that uh, the reason why we're like that as humans, well, because that's how God created us. It says in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, Solomon writing, the wisest man that ever lived, he said, uh, yeah, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You see, that's why songs like this sum up so perfectly what we're like as humans, always looking for something because when God created us, when God put together a human, He placed eternity in our heart. You see, there's a, there's a thing in our heart, there's a longing there's a searching, there's a seeking for an answer that just can't be found in this world, in this physical world, because eternity just doesn't exist here. We're supposed to seek answers because we can't see things clearly. One of my favorite scriptures is 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12, and it's right after that, that very famous passage where we read about love, and it says, we don't yet see things clearly, we're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears, amen, for spring, hey, and the sun shines bright. And see, I, I, that's why I love this song, because it shows us that as humans, we're always seeking and looking, trying to find that someday for that something, for this, to fill this void of eternity that's in our heart that can't be found. But we struggle with it because like it says in Corinthians here, we just don't see things clearly. We are created people. We can't understand the mind of God. We don't understand how His kind of power and everything works and how He even created things. It's kind of like we're peering through a fog, not quite understanding. And so today I want to have a look at a story in the Gospel of John. And we saw a video just up there while the guys were we're singing and doing a, a, a decent rendition of a U2 song. But I am a critic. It's all right. No, they did a good job. They did a good job. I'd vote for them. Um, I did. I actually did. Lots of times. But uh, we're going to have a look at the Gospel of John chapter 4. I'm going to pay for that one later. Um, but the reason why we study the Bible, I thought, I was just thinking about this during worship, but it says in 2 Timothy 4, and verse 16, that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing that God wants us to do. 
And that's why we, we study the Bible. And that's my prayer today, that as we look through this, this story of Jesus and an encounter with a woman in, in the middle of the desert at a well, that it will help us to learn things for our lives and fully grasp everything that he has for us. So John chapter 4, it's a time when Jesus left a place called Judea and was headed back to Galilee. And we'll pick it up in verse 4. It says, To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sukkar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph back in the day. Jacob's well was still there, and Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well, for it was noon, the middle of the day. And why it's really interesting that Jesus was there is because the the two people groups that are talked about here, the Jews being who Jesus was, and the Samaritans, well, they kind of didn't like each other. They kind of didn't get on. Sometime about seven or 800 BC, they had separated and the the, this group that became the Samaritans had gone off and kind of uh, joined up with the, uh, another country called the, or the Assyrians and started marrying them and having children and forming different beliefs and, and their own way of doing things. And so because of that, the Jewish people kind of, they, they weren't at war, but they didn't like the Samaritans. They thought that they were different. They had not nice words to say about them. They, they called them unclean. They didn't want to be around them. And normally when a, a Jew would want to go from Judea to Galilee, they would have to go all the way around Samaria to completely avoid them. But Jesus today just took a shortcut, went straight through the middle and found himself sitting at the well. In verse 7, a woman, a, a Samaritan, came to draw water and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy McDonald's. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Because Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Well, I've got a theory as to why Jesus might have asked this woman for 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 a drink of water. And I know this is, you might want to, to, uh, to challenge my theology on this, but, but my, my feeling is the reason why he asked her for a drink of water was because he was thirsty. Okay, we agree on that. It's in the middle of the desert. He's, he's been walking all day. It's the middle of the day. His boys have left him to head off to get some food, and, and he just wants a drink of water. Now, have you ever been in a position or a time when you were just absolutely thirsty? My son, like, can't last 10 minutes without using the word dehydrated. He can have a drink and get in the car, and 10 minutes later, he's, like, trying to pass out on the back seat, claiming he's dehydrated, and please call Emily. I'm, I'm dying from thirst. But uh, there was a time when, when I was 11 years old, and... And uh, my dad took us camping, and we only had one car at the time, so mum dropped us up at Jimmy's Beach Caravan Park up near Hawk's Nest, and we spent the week there camping while we sent mum back home to work. And um, all we had was our push bikes, and one day dad said, uh, because this is before technology and the ability to research and understand and properly explore things before you set off, and and, uh, I'm not bitter. But dad said, you know what, I've heard of this place called Mungo Brush. 
There we go. <laughs> Let's get on our bikes and ride to Mungo Brush. He forgot to research the fact that it was a 14-kilometer ride. Each way, in the middle of summer, on push bikes. I was 11, my brother was 9, and uh, my dad was something. And, uh, and so out we head on our BMX bikes, and I tell you what, in the middle of summer, we ran out of water really fast. And, uh, and, and, you know, because it was me, it was probably about a kilometre in and I was whinging. And, and I was saying to Dad, when we get to Mungo Brush, you know, can I get, you know, Mum's away, can I get like a 1.25 litre Coke and drink the whole thing to myself? Because that'll help you when you're thirsty. You know, and then a little bit for, he's like, yeah, mate, I'm like, can we get some ice creams? Yeah, we can do that. And at one point, I remember getting blisters on my hands, probably after about three minutes. And... Um, and I said, Dad, when we get to Mungo Brush, can, can we like buy some gloves so that for the ride home? And he's like, no worries. Well, we finally got to Mungo Brush. And if you've ever been to Mungo Brush, you know that there is nothing. There is like a, a swamp and a bit more of a swamp. There's nothing there at all. There's not a shop. There's not a place to buy protective hand gloves for BMX riding. There's not a taxi service that we were promised to take us home. There was not even a tap with running water. So we had to to go around and and find these weird people who think it's a great place to camp and uh, and, kind of ask them, hey, can, can we have a little bit of a drink of water? And so we found this guy who was probably a little bit questionable and and got a drink of water from him and, and headed home the long trip. After all that, we're only halfway through, another 14 kilometers home. It's a great day. And, uh, and we never went camping again. But I'm sure that you know that feeling too of what it's like to be absolutely thirsty, to be physically just dehydrated from riding or from sitting in an air-conditioned car for five minutes like my son. But we all know that feeling of what it's like to be thirsty. And in verse 10, Jesus responded to her and said, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, Sir, uh, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep so how are you going to get this living water are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it he and his sons and livestock passed it down to us you know this was a this was a, a, a an area where where Jacob had sunk a well and you re, can read about it in the old testament and over time the the people had set up a village around it you know a barren place in the desert where suddenly there was water and they decided to, to, to start building a village around it. Have you ever seen, you know, in the movies, a lot of like, uh, I think, Disney and, and stuff like that, where they have the, the mirage of the oasis in the middle of the desert? You know, when you're, when you're riding your push bike along a 14-kilometer track and you start to see, you know, McDonald's appearing in the, in the distance... Well, that, that's what I imagine that this place would have been like, you know, walking through the desert in the middle of nowhere. If you've seen photos of the Middle East, you know what it looks like. And, and here, here they come across this well and there's this village around it. And, and I was doing a little bit of um, Googling as you do. And I found this place in Peru called Huacashina. And yes, I have practiced that a, long time, a lot of times. And it is, if we, we've got a photo, it is a real oasis, this place. 
So that's what it looks like. And um, it's this place in Peru down in the south around Nazca, which is where those big drawings are that you can only see from the air. And it literally is an oasis in the desert. Can we flick through a couple of them? There we go. Surrounded by sand dunes and this natural lagoon formed there. And so there was this, this kind of belief that because it was special, because it was different, that the water must have had healing powers about it. So in the 1930s and the 1940s, really wealthy Peruvians used to travel out there and, and they would just spend time kind of chilling out in the water and hope that it would refresh them and it would rejuvenate them and it would heal them. And, uh, and now there's a town there, there's about 100 people. It's obviously a tourist destination. There's, there's hotels there. There's even a library apparently if you so want to go and hang out in the middle of the desert in a library. But when I saw this photo, I realized just how much it kind of makes us realize what it must have been like to be stumbling through a desert. And the reason why I love this story for today is, you know, how often have we kind of felt so thirsty and so dry and so empty and kind of walking along sand dunes, kind of hoping for that oasis to come along? You see it in the movies. You may have even experienced it yourself. But you're kind of hoping for something that will come along, just like the, this, this lagoon in the middle of Peru that people believed would refresh them and heal them and give them long life. But the truth is, and what Jesus was teaching us here, is that we can find an oasis in the desert. We can get water out of a well in the middle of the, a barren earth. We can do anything that we want. We can spend our life seeking and still trying to find that thing we're looking for, that something for one day. But at the end of the day, it's not that water that gives us what we need. We seek water in the desert, but that's not what it is. In verse 13, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water, referring to the well, will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. So Jesus is saying here that no matter how thirsty we get in our life, no matter how much we stumble through a desert looking for the right job, the right amount of zeros in our bank account, the right relationship, that even when we find those things and we tick them off our list, we're still going to be looking for the next thing because that water never satisfies us. And in here, in verse 13 and 14, he says that he is the gushing fountains of endless life, endless life being eternity. We looked at the start of this message in Ecclesiastes where Solomon said, when God created us, he put eternity in our heart. That's what causes us to seek. That's what causes us to run from oasis to oasis, looking for a drink, but still being thirsty. But the only way to find that thirst, only way to satisfy that is to find eternity. And Jesus said right here, the water I give you will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. The only way we ever quench the thirst in our life is through Jesus Christ. I, uh, I never read a newspaper, but I happened yesterday to be standing in a shop and having a long wait for something. So I, I flicked over and I saw a picture of Jared Hayne. Has anyone heard of that guy? Yeah. And... Uh, and if you don't know, NRL player, follower of Christ, 
gave up at the absolute pinnacle of his career and headed over to America with no contracts, nothing, uh, to f- pursue a dream to play um, NFL, um, the greatest football code in the world. Am I right, Phil? Sure. <laughs> he knows that he's uh, outnumbered here. But the opening line said, talking about Jared Hayne, and, 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 and it said something along the lines of, you know what, I never know what made Jared Hayne tick. His coaches, his teammates, his managers, they could never work out what made him tick. Why at the, at the absolute pinnacle of his career when he could have anything he wanted to become the highest paid league player in, in all of football in Australia, he gave it all up and went to America. I can never understand what, made it, what makes him tick, the journalist was saying. And I read it and I thought, you know what, I know what makes him tick. He's not running from oasis to oasis going, I need to to get to this level in my career and have a drink and that will make me feel better. I need to become the highest paid. I need to finally win the state of origin. I need to do it like tick, tick, tick. He just gives everything back to God. He knows that what makes him tick is the fact that he's endless life, his water, his quenching thirst comes from Jesus Christ and not from his list of achievements in the world. Verse 15, the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty or never have to come back to this well again. That's an interesting statement because what we've got to understand about this scenario is that it wasn't kind of normal for this woman to go to the well in the hottest part of the day by herself. So it was quite cultural for all the ladies who had the job of collecting water for their household to kind of head out in the morning together, in the cool of the day, kind of catch up on the local gossip, fill their water buckets, get home in time to watch Oprah. And, and that was it for the day. But this woman was, was out there by herself in the middle of the day. And we go on, and we, we won't read it for time today, but, but Jesus starts to talk to her about her life, and we find out that, that in, in terms of her society, she is an outcast. She is not accepted. She's, she's lived a life that is, is not approved of by the community that she lives in, and therefore there she is, out on her own, not living the, a life to the standards of, of the community being left by herself and, and out there. And the good news for us, and I love this story because of this, we can be walking through a desert looking for that water to satisfy our soul because we feel ashamed, we feel rejected, we don't fit in, we're not sure what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden we can encounter Jesus in that place. And that's the good news for us as human beings, whether you're a believer today or whether you're just visiting with us. The good news is that no matter where you are in your life, Jesus is there waiting for you. He's looking for you to give you that answer. The answer to your question, the cry for eternity that can't be found in this physical world. And for this lady, it was standing right in front of her. He goes on to tell everything about her life and in amazing detail that only a God could have known. So much so that she, uh, she ran off, left the water behind that she didn't need anymore and 
and went to tell the village about this man. But I think it's a great story and it's a great example of how God just wants to connect with us. That in our life we will search every day. It's our human nature to look for that something for someday. Someday something's going to happen. But today, that day can be today. A few chapters later in in John chapter 10, a very popular scripture that we all love. Jesus talking about why he came. He said, a thief, not him, a thief is only here to steal and kill and destroy. But I came so that they can have real and eternal life more and better life than they ever dreamed of. See, that's the reality of what it means for us to be followers of Jesus Christ, to be believers, to be Christians, whatever terminology you want to give yourself. That we once were stumbling through deserts looking for oasis, looking for water, looking for that next drink. But at some point in our life, we encountered a man, encountered a man who was named Jesus, who gave us, the eternal drink that quenched our thirst. And I just love that the whole reason that he came, the whole reason that he existed on this earth was to give us a more and better life than we could ever dream of. And I think that's great because our human nature will want us to long for things. But the reality is that putting our trust in Jesus, putting our faith in him, following him will actually give us a better life than we could ever dream of. A hope and a dream. And that's a great thing. I might ask the band to come up and, and we'll, um, we'll sing. I won't, but these guys will. But I just want to share that thought with you today. That we can spend our life seeking to find an answer, but the reality is that the answer is here and the answer is today. We will never in this world even have the capability to find that thing that we're longing for because the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that eternity is placed in our heart. and We can't find satisfaction We can't have a quenched thirst without eternity being filled in our heart. So let me pray for you as we we close today and we're going to sing a non-U2 song to finish, unfortunately. But let me pray and then then we'll sing. Lord, we thank you that you do love us. We thank you that you care for us in every way from the time that we're born until the the time that we leave this earth. That you have a care and a concern and a love for everything and that your will for us is that we don't live a life of shame. We don't live a life of always seeking something to quench our thirst. That we don't live a life of tirelessly and aimlessly wandering through a desert but because of your love, Because of you in our life, we can have hope, we can have purpose, and we can have a quenched thirst. So Lord, I pray for this congregation, this gathering of people today, that we would forever know that eternity is only found in you, that satisfaction only comes from you, that our hope can only ever be fully found in you. And Lord, I pray 
that you bless us all. You fill our lives with this hope, whether we've heard it before or not. And you challenge us every day to live more according to your will and your purpose and walking in your footsteps. We thank you, Lord. Amen.